It was supposed to be a Thanksgiving to remember that turned into a Thanksgiving I can't forget, no matter how much I want to. Thanksgiving 2012, my dad and I got tickets to the Jets-Patriots game. We were really excited because the last time the Jets played the Patriots, they took them to overtime. They still lost, but hey, overtime against the Patriots. I'll take it. Plus, our seats were incredible. They were right on the 50-yard line, field level, only about 15 rows back. Best seats I'd ever been in for a Jets game. So we sneak away from Thanksgiving with the family and head to the stadium. The game was off to a pretty solid start. We get through the first quarter and it's scoreless. But the Patriots are on the Jets' three-yard line. They open up the second quarter with a Brady to Wes Welker touchdown. No worries, 7-0, we can recover from that. Jets get the ball back and bring it into Patriots territory. They decide to go for it on fourth and inches. Unfortunately, Sean Green fumbles. Patriots recover. Very next play, an 83-yard touchdown pass to Shane Vereen. 14 to nothing. Fine. Jets are still in it. Next Jets drive, two plays in, Mark Sanchez messes up the play. He went to hand off to his running back, but he turned to the wrong side there's nobody there to receive the handoff. Sanchez ends up scrambling and fumbles. Patriots recover for a touchdown. 21 to nothing on back-to-back possessions that ended in a Jets fumble. This is getting ugly. Right after the score, the Patriots kick off to Joe McKnight, RIP. What does he do? He fumbles. Edelman recovers, touchdown. 28 to nothing. The Jets kept fumbling, and the Patriots score three touchdowns in under a minute of game time. Time for Dad and me to go home. Outside the stadium, we had to wait for the train to come pick us up. We've been standing there for a little bit. To add insult to our injury, we hear Jets fans inside watching the game erupt in disgust. It was the Patriots' fifth touchdown of the quarter. 35 to nothing. The only thing I was thankful for that Thanksgiving was that I didn't have to stay for two more quarters. It was only until after I got home that I realized the game was even worse than I thought, if you can believe it. It was all over ESPN. They couldn't stop playing it. Remember that Sanchez mess up I mentioned earlier? Turns out he fumbled because his face ran directly into the butt of his own offensive lineman. The butt fumble. I was there for it, and I didn't even know it. It's the play that haunts and follows the Jets to this day. And over eight years later, I'm somehow still a Jets fan. Hi, I'm Chris Sachs, and welcome to the first episode of A Fan State of Mind. I launched this podcast with my butt fumble story because it's just one example of how irrational being a lifelong fan of one team is. Being a fan of the Jets early on, it's like dating someone and more often than not, having a pretty bad experience. Sure, there might have been one or two good dates in there, but for the most part, you're not really having any fun. Then, experiencing the butt fumble firsthand is like going on the absolute worst date you can imagine. Everything that could possibly go wrong on that date does, and you're walking away from it completely embarrassed. Also, everyone else in the world somehow saw that horrible date? 
and won't stop making fun of it. Now, in real life, you go on a date like that, you're never going to speak to that other person again, right? But if you're a Jets fan, you somehow end up getting married. It makes no sense. Unfortunately, I've been unhappily married to the Jets for about 29 years now. So, since sports largely work differently than in real life, and New York sports has been pretty disappointing over the last 20 years, to say the least, I figured we needed an outlet. At least I did. If we're going to be so irrational staying dedicated to these teams, we might as well do it rationally, you know? So today we're going to talk about the current state of the Jets. We'll take a quick look at last offseason, go over the highlights of the 2019 regular season, and then finish up by looking ahead at this year's offseason. Alright, let's start by taking a look at last year's offseason for the Jets. Um, They started off with their big coaching search, names like Mike McCarthy were were in there, and we ended up landing on Adam Gase, former Dolphins head coach, um, Bears offensive coordinator, uh, Denver Broncos offensive coordinator. Um, Very rocky start for Gase, and pretty much a rocky season from him. I mean, the most notable thing from his start was just, I mean, right from the opening press conference. Um, We had some interesting eye movements. We'll kind of, you know, try to overlook that as much as we can. Um, We don't want to judge people, even though it's now been a year later. Um, I mean, what can you say? Even the opening press conference, though, outside of the, you know, wandering eye movements and crazy eyes, whatever you want to call them, um, really wasn't the best intro. Um, just looking at certain answers that he gave, still seemed very standoffish. Again, for the New York media, they're just going to pounce. Um, so they pounced on something like, you know, as silly as him just looking all around the room like a trapped squirrel. Um, it was really, you know, not the best intro for him. Um, and that has stuck with him even now through the season and going into this upcoming offseason. Um, the big signings for us uh, were Le'Veon Bell, CJ Mosley, Jamison Crowder, and Brian Poole. I would say, you know, as far as a production standpoint, um, Really, four, all four of those were really great production-wise. Um, you know, the, the Mosley, when he did play, was easily the best defender and completely changed what the defense looked like. But unfortunately, he only played, you know, one and a half games. Um, you know, you just look at that first Bills game where they were completely dominating the Bills especially on the defensive side of the ball. And then all of a sudden, when he gets taken out from his injury, now the Bills make their comeback and they end up winning that first game. I mean, that really set the tone for the Jets' season. I think that that's what helped snowball that um, losing streak that they began with. Um, But Mosley is a game-changer on 
the defensive end. And, you know, the Jets' defense ended up looking pretty good by the end of the season, and that was without Mosley. That was without a lot of the guys. The injury bug really hurt them. Um, so you imagine what it would look like when Mosley's there. Um, I think Le'Veon Bell, you know, he left some things to be desired. I think a lot of that has to do with the uh, the offensive line that the Jets had and all the injuries they had there and, you know, the lack of talent in the offensive line. I mean, the one thing you can't say about Le'Veon is that he didn't go all out every single carry. He really did. Um, you know, I will see kind of what happens uh, this upcoming season if he is a you know a trade candidate or if they do decide to keep him on you know seeing what they can do with him but it seemed like Adam Gase was kind of uninterested in him a little bit um Jamison Crowder was definitely the security blanket for Sam Darnold um he came up big for him throughout the season um seemed like you know without a reliable tight end even though Ryan Griffin ended up stepping up um he, Jamison Crowder was really that go-to guy that Sam would uh, throw to when he was in trouble or when he needed, you know, some quick short yards. Um, and then you had Brian Poole, who was probably the best corner that we've had in a long time, specializing in the slot, uh, did, a, did a great job defensively. Another big move was trading for Osemele from the Raiders. He ended up not playing a snap for the Jets uh, during the regular season. He had a shoulder injury that the Jets, you know, that was a whole nother mess where the Jets felt like he should have disclosed it and they fined him and then they ultimately, you know, use it as an excuse to cut him and not have to pay him. Um, I'm sure he was not very happy about it because he felt like he needed surgery for the shoulder. Um, Very, very sketchy situation it's tough to tell who was on the wrong side of that. You kind of tend to side with the player just because of how little power they have in that situation. But at the same time, the media really made it kind of leaned towards the Jets side on it. So, I, I mean, it's kind of a, a toss up on what exactly went on there. Um, the big the biggest signing that wasn't a signing for the Jets was Anthony Barr when he originally agreed to a contract like the first day of free agency with the Jets and then decided against it, rethought it, and went back to the Vikings. That was a major slap in the face for us, um, and I was really excited to finally get have some good linebackers on this team. It has been a while. Um, so Anthony Barr kind of, you know, it's it's classic Jets, right? I mean, that's what happened with Bill Belichick on a bigger level where, you know, we had him as a coach and we had him signed in an introductory press conference, then he just leaves. Um, kind of, that's kind of the reputation the Jets have right now, where people are rethinking what they what they want to do even however many years later since that Belichick decision uh, we have the same situation with a player where they're they're not taking the Jets seriously that that's a big problem and that stems from the top um, just you can see after 
the draft, when we draft Quinn and Williams, uh, we drafted uh, Ja'Kai Polite, who ended up being cut before the season. We drafted offensive tackle uh, Chuma Adoga, and we drafted Blessin Austin, um, the cornerback, late in the draft. I mean, Quinn and Williams didn't have the season that we would have hoped from a top pick like that, although he still shows potential. You know, he didn't have that production that we we would have liked. Polite ended up being a huge, huge locker room problem, and they wasn't working the way that he needed to be working, I guess, on the practice field. At least that's what the stories come out to be. So he gets cut. Um, Adoga, he's fine. He's a, he's a backup. He didn't show himself to be a starter. Um, and then Austin was actually the surprise where he seems to be like a starting cornerback um, moving forward for the Jets, which is awesome because we got him in like the sixth round. But then after the draft and after all of these free agents are signed, we fire Mike McGigan, um, which is crazy that you let him do all this stuff and then you fire him. I mean, that kind of goes to show, well, maybe that's why someone like Anthony Barr doesn't want to stay, right? Maybe he just sees how disorganized this place is and has been. That's that's why players aren't coming here, because we don't have that foundation from an executive level um, to be able to get people to come here and want to stay here. So Mackigan gets fired after signing all of our free agents, spending all of the all of the salary cap money, and um, many people say that Adam Gase played into it. He wanted one of his guys in there to take over. Um, he wanted a little bit more control. It's something that he already did in Miami and and all this stuff. I mean. It's tough to argue against that, although he would and the Jets would, but it just doesn't really make sense why they would fire Mackigan when they did. <sighs> this is just something that I've gone through with with the Jets too many times, where they're just always trying to play catch up with themselves. They fire their head coach, and then they say they're going to keep their GM, and they let him be part of the hiring process here for Adam Gase, and then they end up firing the GM who took a part in hiring Adam Gase. Um, They're always doing things backwards where they're keeping the head coach and they're just getting a new GM. I don't know how long it's been since they've just cleaned house and brought in the GM and the coach at the same time um, and really made sure that they were starting off on the same foot and that they were on the same page. Um, It's almost like they really need to have a president um, in order to control a president of football operations or something like that in order to control all this because um, the Johnsons are not proving to this point that that they can handle this. Um, Woody Johnson is obviously off doing things for Trump um, as an ambassador. Uh, So he relinquished responsibilities to his brother, Chris Johnson, and he's not really proving to be too much better. He seems to have a better relationship with his players um, and his staff and is a little bit more relatable to them, but doesn't really seem like he has the vision that's needed. Um, That same lack of vision he shares with his brother. I 
will say that who they landed on to replace McIgan, Joe Douglas, um, again, a lot of it is jury's still out, but, you know, he comes with a very good reputation. Um, a lot of people in NFL circles are really high on Joe Douglas, and um, he he hasn't had a chance to actually do his job yet. Um, he began before the season. He tried his best with the Khalil signing um, to kind of boost the offensive line. Unfortunately, that didn't work out. Um, he also traded for Ryan Griffin. That did end up working out really big. He was Ryan Griffin, the tight end, was really a bright spot for this team um, and actually ended up getting a contract extension because of how well he played. Um, and he turned out to be a, a you know a really big target for for Sam Darnold um, throughout the season. So he's made two two moves, and one of them worked, one of them didn't. Um, now's where his big test is going to be, and this is going to be this off season. But um, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. First, let's take a look at um, recapping the Jets regular season to start out they again we talked about it a little bit before they lost that bill bills game and then uh we find out that Sam Darnold has mono um I guess you could say another big move or lack of a big move that Douglas made was not getting another quarterback um we were using a third string quarterback after Trevor Simeon also got injured um, even though he didn't really look like a second stringer. Um, so Darnold's got mono. They're down their second string quarterback as well. And they're playing with uh, Luke Falk as their third third string quarter, quarterback is now starting. Um, most people would say, oh, why don't you go out and get a quarterback? Um Go out and get someone who's who's waiting on the wings. Maybe you bring in a Kaepernick, as controversial as he is. Um, there there were other players out there that you could bring in to at least keep the team afloat. They decide not to do it. That's fine, and everything spirals out of control. And they start the season one and seven. They have a really great bright spot uh, when Sam Darnold comes back from mono and they beat the Dallas Cowboys. That was a great game, a great win for them, but it didn't really fix much. Darnold really didn't seem um, like he was with it when he came back from his from his sickness, um, and everything snowballed. Now, shockingly, the Jets finished the season seven and nine. So they finished the season on a 6-2 and two run, which would surprise people, I'd imagine. Um, they, it was against a lot of easy teams. Their, their beginning schedule was really tough, where they had the Patriots, they played the Eagles, um, they played a lot of great teams, uh, to, a, a lot of solid teams to start out, but there were games that they could have won that they didn't. Um, they In the beginning, they lost to the Bills. They lost to the Browns. Um, they lost to the Dolphins and the Bengals, which was just a nightmare. So those are the types of things that really don't bode well for Adam Gase. But then at the same time, you look at it, they finished 7-9. and nine. They improved on last season. 
Um, they they were able to go on this six and two run even with bad losses, even with th- the amount of injuries this team had. The O line was hurt all year, you know, in one way or another. C.J. Mosley they lost for basically the entire season. Um, they have the the Darnold uh, mono uh, missing out on pretty much the first quarter of the season. Um, it was really, really a tough, a tough year as far as injuries are concerned, and they still were able to finish seven and nine. Um, so you kind of have to keep Gase around and and see what he can do. Um, now another huge move that Joe Douglas made. This was during the season. Was he traded Leonard Williams? Um, Leonard Williams is a really talented football player. Um. And a lot of people would argue that his role isn't to rush the quarterback. He was, um, I think he came out of school as a defensive tackle and ended up being a defensive end for the Jets. Um, And he was a run stopper, but a lot of the stats would show that he was all right at stopping the run and he really couldn't get to the quarterback, and that's what the Jets needed. That's what they've needed for years, and he just he didn't have that. So in order to get a fourth-round, potentially third-round pick for Leonard Williams is was a huge, huge move for Joe Douglas and a huge risk for the Giants who traded for him. We'll touch on that in another podcast. So another big move, so really he... You can't really say who won that trade yet. Um, I'm sure people would lean Leonard Williams because now you don't have to pay him and you can potentially get someone in the draft with with potential again. Um, you got something out of it for someone who you weren't going to re-sign. Um, so kind of points on the board for Douglas there. Um, and then you, you look at Le'Veon Bell now. Is he going to be the next person traded he wasn't really used in the way that I'm sure he wanted to be used um Adam Gase in the press seems to go back and forth on how much he likes Le'Veon Bell or how essential he thinks Le'Veon Bell is um he is very very non-committal in pretty much every press conference he has when he answers a question about Le'Veon Bell. It's pretty wild. I don't understand why he can't, even if he feels iffy about the situation, I don't understand why he can't just lie about it. Um, We're not going to know until he does get traded, and even if he did get traded, he could always say, well, I don't control player personnel. So it really doesn't make sense to me why he keeps putting Le'Veon Bell on the outs like this. Um, It's Le'Veon Bell's a great player. Obviously, he's someone who he has a lot of pride in what he does, and there's no reason to like not play into that and keep him comfortable. Um, and also, when you're doing that and you're showing support for a star player on your team, you're showing that you would do that for any of your players. So it's really tough. It's a tough dynamic with Adam Gase. I know we keep getting going back to it. Um, there was a lot of drama with Jamal Adams. 
that might have had more to do with Joe Douglas than it did with Adam Gase. Again, I don't. I, that's a tough situation where you're looking at it, and Jamal Adams is in trader rumors. He says that he was told that they weren't going to trade him, but Joe Douglas did field calls from other teams before the trade deadline that just you know had interest in in uh in Jamal Adams now Adams felt that he should have just hung up right away when they brought up his name I guess um I don't understand why you can't at least listen because you never know what someone's gonna say if someone's gonna say oh I'll give you five first round picks for Jamal Adams you're obviously gonna do that I'm sorry as much pride as you might have Jamal Adams like there may be in a in not a perfect world for you, but there may be in a perfect world a situation where someone puts out a godfather offer that you can't refuse. And I find it kind of shocking that Jamal Adams doesn't understand that. He seems to be, a, he is probably the leader of this Jets team, um, not just the defense, just the team in general where he has all the players' ears. Um, He's really the one that is, he leads by example, but he's also in, he's in the public eye tweeting about how upset he is about being shopped around and all this stuff, but he's not actually being actively shopped. There's nothing wrong with listening, and you got to understand it's tough for me to say because I'm not in the situation that Jamal Adams is in. Like no one at my company that I work for right now is actively talking to another company across the country saying, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll trade Chris for for Joe and a first round pick and cash considerations or whatever." Like and then all of a sudden I have to pick up and move and go work for another company. Um, so it's, I'll never know how that feels. Um, I'm sure that sucks, but everyone understands that this is a part of the business that they're in. Um, and that's something that if you are going to be the leader of this team, you got to understand. And that comes with time. That comes with maturity. Jamal Adams, he's still a young guy. Um, he's a prideful guy. He, he really, um, he lays it all out every single time he plays, um, every single snap, he is putting his heart on the line. There's no doubt of that. Jets fans love him. Um, they would be heartbroken if he got traded. So everyone is on his side. Everyone understands. But at the same time, you know, everyone has reason. <laughs> and most Jets fans would say, we love Jamal. We don't want to trade him. But it's not a big deal if our general manager, whose job it is to talk to other general managers, if his name was brought up by someone else, that's not a big deal. Um, all right, so we kind of recapped last year's offseason. We went over, you know, all the drama that happened during the season. Let's kind of look to 2020 and what the Jets can do, hopefully what they're thinking about doing um, this offseason in order to improve this team. Um, I think the number one thing for the Jets to look at is going to be the offensive line. Um, That was 
the Achilles heel for this team all season. It's got to be the first priority, um, whether it's through the draft or it's through free agency. Um, it's something that the Jets are really, really, really going to have to um, get sorted out because as as the 49ers showed this year, as the Chiefs showed, the Baltimore Ravens, I mean, the Patriots show every single year, the the most important position outside of the quarterback is if you look at the offensive line as a collective unit as one position, that is the most important. You can't do anything without it. You can't pass the ball effectively. You can't run the ball effectively. And the Jets at times ran the ball and passed the ball effectively, but not enough to be a, a playoff contending team. Um, so two guys that kind of stand out as targets for them are going to be, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, but Joe Joe Tooney um, from the Patriots, offensive guard. Um, Brian Winters is fine at the guard slot. Um, obviously, they lost Osemele, um in the left guard slot. <laughs> then he didn't play all season, so... Offensive guard is definitely somewhere where they need a bright spot, and Thuni is the he. I'm just I'm reading this from fan sided. He played 1,100 offensive snaps, 99% of the Patriots' offensive snaps. That is, and he did not commit one single penalty. Now, in 4,500 career snaps, he's only committed 18 penalties, and he only allowed one sack in 2019. That is huge. Pay this guy all the money. Pay him all the money. Joe Douglas, he played offensive line in college. That's his bread and butter. That's what he, you know, he seems like he's someone who wants to um, get this offensive line fixed. Um he seems like that's going to be a huge point of emphasis for him. Um, So that would be a huge get for them. The other one to look at is going to be, again, this is a great article from Fansided. If you haven't seen it, it's New York Jets 2020 free agent targets, um, offensive line help, um, offensive tackle Jack Conklin uh, from the Tennessee Titans. Again, a young, young player. Um, a young offensive tackle. He's only 26, um, but he's an amazing right tackle. That's, again, an area that the Jets need improvement. Uh, what they have right now is not going to cut it. Um, so that's just another uh, another guy to look at. He, um, he had some penalties, four holding calls, um, three pre-snap penalties in 2019, um, but he's he's played 94% of snaps offensive snaps he played in all 16 games last year um for the Titans including three games in the postseason and that's going to be a huge huge um asset for the Jets if they can have people on the offensive line who aren't injury prone and are going to be able to play 
90 plus percent of snaps. Um, I mean, just that alone makes a huge difference, especially with a season that they had where, you know, they didn't have a consistent offensive line game to game. These guys have to play together um, and and be a cohesive unit. Um, So offensive line is definitely going to be the huge, huge need for the Jets. Um, Then the other, I, I would say that's priority 1A, priority 1B's got to be to get Jamal Adams an extension. That way you're pay him now even though it's probably going to be the the largest contract for a safety in history. Pay him now because that price is only going to go up over the years. So if you especially if you decide to franchise franchise tag him, well, now you're looking at potential holdouts and just looking at Jamal Adams actions from this past season and the way he's reacted to feeling like he isn't getting the support that he needs from his team um, as a leader and as one of the best safeties um, in the league you got to give Jamal Adams his extension now and pay him now and then you know in a couple years you don't have to that price is only going to go up for safeties and if he's the highest paid this year and maybe next year, he's not going to be the highest paid in three or four years. So lock him up. Um, then they got to make a decision with Le'Veon Bell. He's a you know a big price tag for him each year. Um, the the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl with Damian Williams, a outcast from the Dolphins a couple years ago, and the. 49ers went to the Super Bowl with Mostert, who was on the Jets practice squad at one point and got cut by nine teams or something. So maybe you don't need to be paying that much for a running back, as unfortunate as it is to say for running backs. Uh, You can find quality in other places, and if you have a good enough uh, run scheme, anyone can thrive. Any good athletes. You can be giving them a chance that they wouldn't have to really thrive. Um, so it, it seems like, again, from all of Gase's press conferences, when he's asked about Le'Veon Bell, he's not sold on giving him this much money and having him be the focal point of the offense, which he clearly didn't want him to be this season because he didn't give him the ball that much game to game. Um so is he worth keeping or can we just can we get something valuable back from for him and kind of patch up the running back spot that might be something that they look at um and then cutting the dead weight is going to be huge for this team um looking at someone like Tremaine Johnson who unfortunately has been injured throughout his tenure with the Jets um and when he has played with the Jets he you know it's been pretty lackluster it had the the quality of play that he had with the Rams prior to signing his big contract with the Jets just isn't there. I don't know if that's because that was years before he was going to get a big deal, and then once he got it, he kind of took his foot off the pedal. Um, who knows when he goes to his next team? Maybe he'll have something to prove again, so he'll kind of amp it back up and be back to what he was. But it with the Jets, it wasn't there. He's a hefty price tag with him and they kind of got a cut bait there um and then you look at someone like 
possibly Jordan Jenkins doesn't get re-signed. His contract's going to be up. He's been solid. You could see if he he you can improve at that um, outside linebacker slot. Um, really get a real edge rusher there, but he's he's not really that guy. He's just you know he's he's solid, but are you going to pay him the money that you might have to pay him to keep him? Um, then the the really important thing too to keep in mind is going to be not overspending on players who aren't difference makers which hopefully joe douglas knows but that's unfortunately something that the jets have had problems with over the years just spending all of our cap space on people who end up not doing anything for us um and that could be a factor and that could be a couple of factors that could be they're signing the wrong people could be they don't have the system and systems and structures in place in order to support those signings and make sure that they stay on top of their game and are improving and are contributing the right way and all the coaching changes that they have and leadership changes um, that affects that. Um, so if they can keep this leadership in place, maybe that makes a difference. And you know, people who we think we're overspending on f- to be a difference maker, maybe they will end up being that because it's a different atmosphere um, in the Jets' locker room. Only time's going to tell for the Jets. Um, I know, again, I am a huge Jets fan. I want to believe in this team. Um, they have been a major part of my life. Um, my dad and I used to have season tickets for the Jets. We would go to every game, um, and then they... There were all the seat licensing, and they moved into MetLife, and that was it for us. Um, but obviously, you know, we're still huge, huge Jets fans. Um, I grew up with them, and I just want to see them succeed. It's been tough being a Jets fan, <laughs> to say the least, over the past 29 years. Um, we will see what happens this upcoming season. I know I'm rooting for them. I am as much as I talk about being unsure about Adam Gase, I am rooting for Adam Gase. I want him to be the best coach of all time, obviously. I don't know if he's going to be. I want Sam Darnold to be the best quarterback of all time, and Joe Douglas to be the best GM of all time, and all of that. Um, but we got to keep it real on this podcast, too, and we got to hold everyone accountable, including ourselves, um, when we're kind of going over the top with our reactions. Um, so... That does it today for our State of the Jets podcast. Um, Please tune in to our next few episodes. We're starting this podcast off with our State of episodes. Uh, Next one should be State of the Knicks. Looking forward to talking with you guys soon. Uh, This is Chris signing off for a fan state of mind.